Well, again, good morning. My name is George Davis. Thank you for being a part of our church this morning. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to Philippians, the book of Philippians in the New Testament. As you're turning there, let me ask you this question. What is your natural first response to risk? When you encounter risk in your life, what's kind of your first instinctive response? For instance, look at this spectrum for a moment. Right at one end, maybe risk avoiding, at one end, risk taking. Where exactly would you put yourself on this spectrum? I realize in different circumstances, perhaps we're more likely to take risk versus other circumstances where we're more likely to avoid risk. But in general terms, what's, what's your kind of first gut response to risk in your life? Where do you put yourself on this spectrum? By the way, if you're having lunch with other people, this would be a great kind of uh, uh, mixer question, great starter question for the lunch. Where do you put yourself on this spectrum? And I've got to be honest with you, in so much of life, I would have to say my, my first response is often on the risk-avoiding side. Now, reality is, in much of life, there is great advantage, there is great wisdom in minimizing risk. Some of you have changed your diet for health reasons to minimize certain risk. Some of you are on medications because there are certain numbers you need to bring down to minimize risk. We've, we've got certain behaviors and patterns that we build into our lives because we think they will minimize risk. For instance, uh, most likely on your way to to church this morning, you buckled your seatbelt. You flossed your teeth last night. I mean, there are things we do to minimize risk. Some of you perhaps are learning to drive. You get frustrated with a parent because they're always trying to instill certain habits within you. But understand, they're, they're trying to keep you safe. They're trying to minimize risk. So in much of life, there's wisdom in minimizing risk. Yet there can also be areas of our lives where minimizing risk is actually unhelpful. We can do that in relationships in unhealthy ways. Avoiding things we need to talk about because those conversations can be hard. We can fail to be truthful or transparent because we don't know how others will respond. I can minimize risk in handling my resources. I can refuse to be generous because I'm I'm just scared of the risk involved. I can minimize risk in engaging new opportunities. New opportunities that can come our way in the workplace, new opportunities in school, new relationships that I could develop. I can be unwilling to embrace them. New opportunities in working and serving others in my relationships and living out my faith. I can refuse to embrace these new opportunities because they involve risk. And particularly as someone who often naturally defaults to risk avoidance, from time to time, I have to wrestle with this question. Can we be so focused on minimizing risk that we miss out on life? Can we become so focused on minimizing risk that we're actually missing out on life? Several years ago, my wife and I were doing a beach vacation, and where we were staying along this beach, there was one part of the beach where there was a coral reef, a small coral reef about 50 feet from the edge of the water, and it was actually protected. It was roped off with buoys, so you could actually see exactly where it was from the shoreline, and to be honest with you, I'm not... I'm not a strong swimmer. I'm not always comfortable in the water, but I knew about this. I decided, I I think I want to try snorkeling. 
So I told my wife, I know, you know, I've never done this before, but I like, there's this, you know, there's the reef. Let's just go out. I, I want to try this. So we got to the beach. We rented the equipment. You know, we got into kind of the shallow part of the water right off the beach. And it seemed like from the moment I started, everything started to go wrong. I put on the mask. Initially, it wasn't adjusted properly. So I, you know, started trying to learn to do this and I'm taking on water in the mask. I get that cleaned out, but then I had problems, you know, the, the breathing part didn't come naturally to me initially. So I'm fogging up the mask. Then I'm getting nervous. And so I'm not really using the snorkel well. And this is just not going according to plan. Now, for me, on that spectrum, right, on the risk avoidance side, naturally, that was my instinctive response. Just get out of the water. Let's go do something else, right? Let's just get out of the water. Let's just go do something else. I mean, I, I just naturally in that moment wanted to avoid risk. So I yanked the mask off. I looked at my wife and I told her, I don't think this is working for me. Let's go do something else. And this was the moment when my wife, and some of you know her, you can see her doing this. She's not here. I can tell this story. Uh, <laughs> you just, this is just between us, okay? You know. She grabs my arm, my wife, the former lifeguard. She looks into my eyes and says these words. We're doing this. And off we went. We got back to, we got back out to, you know, to, right out there to that to coral reef, just a few yards out. And as soon as we got close, I grabbed hold of the rope and we went all the way around that beautiful reef. I had my wife on one side and I was clutching the rope on the other side. The best way I could describe that experience, what it was actually like is to show you this movie clip from the movie, What About Bob? It's one of my favorite movie. It's one of my favorite movie clips where Bob agrees to go sailing, even though he has many fears and phobias, including fears of actually stepping onto a boat. Watch this. Do you want to come sailing with me on my friend George's boat? <laughs> no, no. That's okay. You don't have to. No, I'd love to. Uh, <laughs> it sounds great. I, I, I've never been on a boat, and I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> it just makes my lips numb to think about it. But if your friend is a good sailor and the craft is seaworthy, yes, I will go sailing. Yeah, let's go sailing. I have no other plans. <laughs> I'm sailing! I'm sailing! I love that. Well, that was George snorkeling for the first time. I'm snorkeling. But I got to tell you, by the time we were done, I'd been mesmerized by that experience. There was one moment where I was kind of holding onto the rope. My wife taps me on the shoulder. She pulls me about 10 feet away and points down. And there's this sea turtle just, you know, swimming in another direction. I, I was just mesmerized by, by the marine life, the fish, the coral. I, I've never experienced anything like this before. So two weeks ago, our family's vacationing in the Caribbean for a week. And this time, <laughs> I want to go snorkeling. We got the opportunity to snorkel in about six different locations. We got, I got to snorkel over a shipwreck, a shipwreck. And then one of the highlights for me was snorkeling over this one 
coral reef, and as we were snorkeling over it, we had, there were just these two beautiful southern stingrays going back and forth. My son took a picture of one of them and, and just kind of just floating on the top of the water. And I just, I just sat there floating for about five, seven minutes just watching this beautiful creature just in a majestic way, such elegance just floating through the water and in such an effortless manner. And the reality is, as I look at this experience, I have to tell you, if, if, you know, if I had just gotten out of the water a couple of years ago, if I had just minimized the risk at that moment, there's so much I would have missed out on. This morning, we're wrapping up this series that we've called All In. And as we do that, what I want to do is just challenge you to wrestle with the same question that I have to wrestle with from time to time. And, and, and the question is just, am I so focused on minimizing risk that I'm missing out on life? That's really what I, I want to wrestle, you to wrestle with this morning. Am I so focused on minimizing risk that I'm actually missing out on life? And to show you what I mean, let's now come back to this short study in the book of Philippians. If you're new this morning, we've been talking about being all in as we've looked at this small letter in the New Testament and talked about what it means to be all in and following Jesus and to be all in as part of a local church community. And this series, as we prepare to launch into a new academic year and and to launch into the fall, this series has been a great opportunity for us to to just revisit our sense of mission as a community. Dave already referred to that, that sense that as a community, we want to be people, we want to be a place where we're living with Jesus, loving like Jesus, and leading others to do the same. And so over the course of these last couple of weeks, we've seen these themes actually in in the writings of the Apostle Paul in this book. We, We saw how Paul talked about living with Jesus, his own relationship with Christ, his own experience of pursuing Christ. We've seen him talk about loving, right, like Jesus and the importance of relationships, particularly relationships within a church context, even as we highlighted the importance of relationships, we, we invited you last Sunday to be part of our starter group night as we're launching new small groups, which we call Live, Love, Lead groups. And we had, we had 90 people participate in that event last Sunday, 90 people that are now going to be part of new groups that are launching next month. So I want to just say thanks to those of you who are going to be part of those new groups and look forward to hearing how that goes. And even as these groups are are launching next month, we have ongoing ways for you to get connected on a weekly basis through our uh, connect groups that meet on Sunday mornings. But interestingly, as Paul is writing this church and talking about what it looks like to be all in, he's not just talking about, you know, your relationship with Christ and living with Jesus. He's not simply talking about kind of the, the community that's to be a part of this mission, loving like Jesus. He's, he's also talking about the fact that we are to be part of the ongoing mission. We're to be leading others to do the same. Yet here's the reality. This can sometimes come with consequences and challenges. Notice in Philippians chapter 1, let me come back to this verse. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago. Paul says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Right at the beginning of the book, he talks about their partnership in the gospel. 
We know from the end of the book that one of the ways they partnered with Paul was through financial support. In fact, part of the reason he writes this letter is to say thank you for their ongoing financial contribution. But particularly in the language Paul uses here, I think he's saying they did more than simply provide financial resources. He's saying you guys have been actively involved in the mission of living out our faith. Through how you've acted, through words, through behavior, you've been active in really living out the good news of Jesus Christ. But as I said, Paul's also aware of the fact that this comes with risk. To take this seriously can complicate your life. It it involves risk and challenges. So for instance, as you read the book of Philippians, in different parts of the book, you will see Paul talking about his own life. And even as he writes this letter, he is imprisoned, most likely in Rome, because of his work. And as he tells about some of the challenges he is facing... Part of the reason he does that isn't simply to kind of update them on his situation. Part of the reason Paul does that is to say, and folks, this is kind of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And these things may kind of become part of your life as well. In fact, look at what he says later in chapter one. He says, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Do you see what he's doing? I mean, he's, he's acknowledged some of the challenges that he is facing, and you can read that in the letter. But he's also saying that just, guys, you need to understand that if, if you really seek to be all in and to live out your faith, there are going to be risk and challenges involved. Now, for the Philippians at this time, I don't think this entailed what we might describe today as state-sponsored persecution. Rather, it involved the social cost the relational cost of being involved in this small fledgling movement of Christianity that in so many ways seemed to be out of step with the broader Roman culture. And the truth is that there are ways, similar ways in which this can be your experience and mine today. There can be cost, risk involved in seeking to really live out the good news of Christ. There are risks in investing in relationships. There are risks in serving. There are risks in handling situations differently from the people around you. Risk in being that student that kind of stands up for another student who's being bullied or a student who's on the margins. There are risks in being that neighbor who tries to bring everybody together and foster kind of, you know, deeper relationships in your community or your apartment building or your condo. There are risks in talking about your faith. So, so the question is, why take this seriously, Right? Why not simply focus on minimizing risk, particularly for those of us who are naturally risk avoiders? Why not let that be your priority in how you engage other people? Well, as you think about that question, let me just show you one other thing that Paul says in this letter. We find these words in chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Paul says this, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. What I find particularly is this image that he puts before us as followers of Christ to, to shine like stars 
in the sky. Think about that image for a moment. This is a picture from Cherry Springs State Park, and it's, it's a park in the northern part of our state, really known to be a great place to gaze at the stars. Some of you have been there, but even if you haven't been there, my guess is you've, you've had those experiences where it's a, maybe you're out on a camping trip, or you're out, and it's a beautiful night sky, and you just look at the stars. Maybe it was that time you were kind of learning in school about astronomy, and you try to find certain constellations. Maybe you stand there, and it, for some reason, you just start to wonder about how vast the universe is of which we're a part and how far away those stars actually are. But if you take time just to, you know, just stand there and absorb that moment, and some of you have, there can just be this sense of awe and wonder, even a sense of awe that kind of recalibrates our perspective at times. The sense of wonder at the creation of God and the vastness of what is in front of you. And in a similar way, I think Paul uses this image to say this. He's saying, I I want you to shine like stars in the sky. And by that he means, I want your lives to be lived as part of a much deeper story. In this chapter, he's just reviewed kind of the history of Christ and Christ's work on our behalf. And so he's now saying, I I want your life, I I want you to shine like stars in the sky. I want your life to be rooted in the good news of Christ. I want your life to be rooted in this amazing story of forgiveness, of grace, of restoration, of new life, of renewal. I want you to shine like stars in the sky so that that this new identity of who you are rooted in the good news of Jesus Christ just begins to flow out in, in your conversations, in your priorities. And how you invest in others, how you build relationships. I want you to shine like stars in the sky. Now, there is debate about how to translate part of what Paul is saying here, but here's what I I think he's getting at. I think in a real sense he is saying this. He's saying, I want you to hold on to the gospel so that you can hold it out to others. I want, you, I want you to be deeply rooted in the truth of Christ. I want your identity to be grounded in what Christ has done for you, not in anything you've tried to do for yourself, but I want you to hold on to the gospel in such a way that you can really hold it out to other people so that you can shine like stars in the sky. Recently, I was with one of our sons at Sheets. It was kind of one of the last Sheets runs before college. And so I'm staying there waiting for our food, or actually his food, which I would watch him eat. That's the season of life I'm in. And uh, there's a young guy, mid-20s, standing right next to me, also waiting. So I just start a conversation. Somehow the conversation turns to work. So he looks at me and says, so what do you do? That's always an interesting question as a pastor. I love it. So I say, well, hey, I'm a a pastor over at the Hershey Free Church. And he just kind of nods, and then he goes, yeah, he goes, I'm not really into that church thing. So he told me a little bit of his background. I think he'd been part of some church growing up, but that was years ago. And he told me some of his frustrations with church. And not surprisingly, I think there are many people who it seems all they hear about Christians are what Christians are against rather than what Christians are for. That had been his experience. So we even talked a little bit just about what it means, you know, to live for Jesus and that relationship. But then he made this most amazing comment as we're still waiting for our food. He said, 
He said, you know, people don't, we don't go to church like we used to. He said, I think that's a little sad. He said, because, you know, church can be a place of, that you get to know people and community. And he said, you know, we're not going to church like we used to. And he said, I'm not sure what's, what's filling that gap. He said, I actually think we may be lonelier than people used to be. I was standing there going, wow, that is just, that is just a, an amazingly perceptive observation. And I thought, you know, here's this young guy, I think in so many ways, no interest in church, yet in, in, in some sense he's still, looking, <laughs> he's still looking for something bigger than himself. So I'd invited him to church. I don't know if he'll come or not at some point. But as I thought about that situation, as I've reflected on it over the last couple of weeks, you know, kind of my prayer has been, God, bring someone into his life that shines like a star in the sky. And the truth is, that's, 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 who, that's who God is calling us to be. That's who God is calling us to be as a church community. That's who God is calling us to be individually as followers of Christ, to be so rooted in the good news of Christ, to hold on to the gospel in such a way that we hold it out to other people in our spheres of influence and how we interact, how we handle problems, how we engage certain conversations, how we deal with conflict. So what, let me just quickly ask, so what does this, what does this mean for us in practical terms? Well, first, let's just think about those of you that are part of groups here in the life of our church. Some of you are part of existing groups. Others are going to be part of this, you know, dozen or so new groups that are starting next month. And, and one of the things I just encourage you to see as we talk about leading others to do the same is in our group environments and our group relationships. This is a great opportunity to, to encourage one another, to pray for one another in terms of the opportunities God is giving us as individuals. And it may be the case that as a group, you have an opportunity to serve or live out live out the good news in, in a very tangible way. For instance, as we get ready for our Beyond the Wall Sunday coming up in October, where we go out and serve on a Sunday morning, this is a great opportunity if you're part of a group to serve together. And that might even open up into a long-term kind of opportunity. To show you what I mean, just listen to the story of one of our Live Love Lead groups. This is my wife, Jill. This is my good friend Mike, my good friend Joe, my good friend Bob, my good friend Jay, his wife Pam, and my good friend BJ. Pam's also my good friend, but I just felt like introducing her as Jay's wife. <laughs> so we've been together for about three years, and we meet in Elizabethtown typically. In the summertime, we like to go to their cottage at Mount Gretna, which is loads of fun. So last year, we our Church Beyond the Walls project was serving in Elizabethtown, and we served with... Uh, the community place on Washington. We thought it was important to actually serve the community we live in. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it does make for a more natural conversation when you meet somebody from Elizabethtown to say, yeah, we, we go to church at Hershey Free, but you know what we do every, every few weeks is we clean the community center here in, in E-Town. And we've been part of ministries that take place out of there. So it's, I, think, I think it's good. It's a blessing to be used that way. When you're at the community center, I mean, it's not anything, it's not a technical skill. We want to just clean the floors and so forth, and we just come in and we do it. But it is interesting that people do notice, and people say, well, where are you guys from? And, of course, you have an opportunity to talk to them, and you have a chance to say, you know, why you're doing this. And it's a great service to the community because there's a lot of people in need out there that aren't, they they don't go to church anywhere. And it's good for them to see that 
you know, people that are normal people do these things, and and it's a blessing to them, and hopefully they, they catch us on. I mean, when I think about serving, you know, that is, that's instruction. We're instructing each other, but we're also evangelizing our community because we're doing something to help our community. Um, and we're really living out what the purpose of the church is, is we're to be engaged in our communities, not just um, isolated and, and, and hidden from the world, but we're supposed to put our lamp on a hill and, and shine it for everyone to see. But when you sit down and have uh, group discussions about the Bible, well, it can be a little stiff at first. Uh, but when you get together as a group uh, in service, you kind of get to know people. And you get to know, oh, what are somebody's strengths? Who likes to laugh at what? Who likes to do what when we work? And it, all, it just it just works out and makes them friends. So Jill and I aren't from here. And we moved to the area six years ago. And so when we got involved with this Live Love Lead group, we didn't really know any of these folks deeply and just barely at all. Actually, we met Pam and Jay because both of our kids are in the Navy. And so that's how we got connected with this Live Love Lead group. But we've all got stuff, right? And, mm-hmm. and we don't want to talk about that stuff to... 1,200 people, but as you get to know people, um, you know, we've been through journeys together. Every, each one of us in this group has been through times of pain and times of joy that we've shared together over the last few years, and, and it's, you, you need people close by when, when you got stuff. That's a great story for one of our groups. So those of you that are in groups or are going to be part of these new groups, I encourage you to have those kinds of conversation, conversations about how, how, how can we encourage one another in living out our faith? And might that even look like us doing something together as a group? So there are practical implications for this in terms of our groups. But I think we also need to think about this on an individual level. I think it, it, it's just began wrestling with certain questions even before God. You know, if I'm a follower of Christ, God, in my, in my family, in my school, in my workplace, in my apartment complex, in my community, God, where, where are you giving me opportunities to serve? Or, or, or in relationships in which to invest, people to encourage, where are you giving me opportunities to, to live out my faith in word and deed? What does that look like? And just be attuned to the opportunities God may already be placing in your life. Now, if we're to take this seriously, I do think there are certain things that we need to avoid, and I think these are evident in this text. For instance, if we're going to take this seriously, we must avoid simply complaining. Obviously, we live in a very divided time culturally, and it it feels like that's gotten more intense over the last few years. And as a result, regardless of where you are politically or socially, it feels like it's just easy to complain about things going on around us. But notice in this passage, Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. And at the back of his mind is that generation in Old Testament history, that generation that got stuck in the wilderness, and one of the characterizing features of that generation was their grumbling and their complaining. And as a result, they missed out truly on on living as part of the mission of God. So if you always find yourself grumbling, complaining, whining, I encourage you to take this warning seriously. (laughs) Maybe that means you need to spend less time watching cable news, spend less time on social media. 
But understand that if you were to live as part of the mission of God, to live out your faith tangibly, grumbling and complaining cannot be a defining dimension of who you are. Instead, what opportunities is God giving you to live out your faith in relationships with others? So to do this well, we must avoid simply complaining. I think also we must avoid simply conforming. Because some of us, I think we get stuck because I, my driving desire becomes to minimize risk by always fitting in. Just go with the flow. But notice in this passage, Paul says, no, I want you to, I want you, I want you to shine like stars in the sky in a cultural moment that is twisted and broken. So that means at times it, my, my life doesn't neatly fit in to the lives of people around me. And Paul's expectation isn't about fitting in. It's about shining like stars in the sky, living a life that reflects this deeper story of forgiveness, of grace, of renewal, of restoration. And in saying that, it kind of just leads to the final challenge that I want to give you this morning. And that is this. As, as we now launch into fall and kind of the beginning of the fall, beginning of the new school year, we're going to be talking more about relationships. Next week, we're beginning a series entitled For One Another. And over the course of this short series, we're going to look at some of the one another statements in the New Testament where we're told about certain character traits and patterns of life that we need to develop in engaging one another. And these apply, I think, not only to our relationships with other Christians, but, but also to our general relationships with other people. These are, kind of, these are the kind of skills and attributes like loving, encouraging, dealing with conflict well, accepting. These are the kinds of skill sets that we need to develop if we're going to embrace this mission well, if we are going to be able to invest well in the lives of other people. That will lead to our Beyond the Walls Sunday where we go out and serve our community. And then after that, another short series. But this time we're going to be dealing with some harder stuff. Harder things that at times we have to confront in our own lives. Harder things at times we see at work in the lives of other people. The series is called The Struggle is Real. And in that series, we're going to deal with things like, you know, family challenges, abuse, anxiety, depression. Things, frankly, that we don't always talk about in church. But if we're going to be a community that learns to relate well, if we're going to be a community that learns to live out our faith in the broader context in which we serve and work, these are things we need to talk about. So my challenge to you is really to be a part of these series and to be open as we talk about different skills to, to asking God these kinds of questions. God, what do you want me to learn? God, what might these skills of relating look like in my life? And God, where are you calling me to invest? So I encourage you to embrace these messages with those questions in mind. Now we started a few moments ago really by talking about risk and minimizing risk. And as I told you, that's probably my natural default in so much of life. Maybe that's yours. And the truth is, maybe that's how you've been listening over the last few moments. And, and the truth is... There's part of you that doesn't even want to take seriously the idea of living out the good news because it entails risk. 
it's just so much easier to minimize risk than embrace what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. So the truth is you can disregard everything we've been talking about and the things we're going to be talking about in these next message series. But understand this, in doing so, you will miss out. You will miss out on living as part of this bigger mission of what God is doing. (laughs) Paul says, don't do that, don't do that. No. Shine like stars in the sky. Let's pray together. Gracious God, as we spent time in the book of Philippians, we've been challenged to see Paul not only talk about relating to you and this developing relationship with Christ, we've seen not only the expectation that we develop healthy relationships within a church context and within, within a church community, but also now we see him pushing us in an outward direction to see that as we are all in, that entails being part of this bigger mission. And yet, Father, the truth is that comes with risk. It's so much easier to minimize the risk and play it safe. Father, I pray even now your spirit would challenge us to think differently. And I pray even as we now go through these next two message series that in different ways we're going to be challenged with here are the skills and patterns I need to develop in relating to other people. And Father, here are the relationships you are giving me right now in which I can invest in meaningful ways. May we be open to that work in our lives. In Jesus' name.